David said he would run the way of God's commandments, that he wouldn't be tentative, that he would run, I will run the way of your commandments. The Bible speaks of God doing a quick work. In fact, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. That's been 2,000 years since he said that. So the scoffers have come saying, Where is the sign of his coming? For ever since our fathers slept, all things continue to this day as they are to this very day. But the Bible said they are ignorant of this one thing, that a day is a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is one day. And God is not slack concerning his promises. So he that shall come will come. And he's going to come in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye. And he's going to come when a majority of his own people have quit longing for him, and therefore they have quit looking for him. When the first love dies, you're not longing for him any longer. And if you're not longing for him, you're not looking for him. And the Scripture said unto them that look... That means they're already longing. That's why they're looking. Unto them that look, he shall appear. The second time. First time. When was the first time? When he showed up as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. It's called the first advent. The first time that God took on flesh, came to this earth to lie in a cradle so that he could go to a cross. Everybody gets sentimental over the cradle and stays focused on the cradle. Jesus didn't come to lay in the cradle and evoke sentimental feelings. Jesus came to the cradle so he could go to the cross. And if he had only lain in the cradle and only spoke words of wisdom in the temple at 12, if he never made it to the cross, there would be no salvation for anyone. For without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness of sin. And without the resurrection to show that that blood was sufficient and that the efficacy of the blood of Jesus was such that God could and would and did forgive all of our sins. Can you say amen? And a term can be applied to you and me today called justify. It's a forensic term. It is for the courtroom. It is for the courtroom. When the judge of the universe pronounces you not guilty, it doesn't matter how much evidence the prosecuting attorney is ready to present of your guilt any longer. I don't think you heard me. I said it doesn't matter what the accuser of the brethren that accuses them before God day and night, your past is gone. And it'll never be brought up against you again. And that's why the Bible said in the New Covenant that, that you need and I need to have our conscience sprinkled from evil. You know what that means? From the guilt of the sins of the past. Everybody say from the guilt of the sins of the past. The devil's the accuser. And the Bible said now in Revelation chapter 12 is the accuser of our brethren. That's what devil means, diabolos. It means a maligner. He's the one that wants to discredit Brother Hobbs before God. He wants to tell God and Brother Hobbs that you're not worthy 
for God to answer your prayer. You're not worthy of God's blessing. In fact, you're not even worthy of heaven. Amen. Because look at this, and look at that, and look at this, and look at that. And a guilty conscience will keep you from having faith in God. The Bible said if our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart. And He knows everything. But if our heart condemns us not, what happens? We have confidence toward God. And the devil doesn't want you or me to have confidence toward God. That is that we would believe and receive when we pray. He wants to disqualify us. And he wants to bring up not only the way past, but even the recent past. If you failed God in some way last week, God wants you right here today to confess that sin so he can do what? Hold it over you. No, so that he can forgive it. The Bible said he's faithful to do it. He is faithful. If we confess our sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ, God is faithful to do what? Forgive our sin. Hallelujah. I don't know how repentance got such a negative spin on it that a lot of people say they never preach on it anymore. Repentance allows for that forgiveness. And repentance brings restoration. And that boldness to come into the throne of God and believe Him for our needs and the needs of others, amen, is going to rise up in us because we know that, that the prosecuting attorney, amen, is presenting the evidence, but the blood of Jesus is canceling it out. And the judge of the universe, <laughs> in fact, it's a drop-the-mic thing. If I could drop this mic, I won't drop it because mics are too expensive and it might tear it up. Amen. But it means when someone drops the mic, it means that's the last word. That, that word is final, and there's nothing that you can say against it. Amen. Nothing that you can say against it. The Scripture said, Who is he that condemneth? It's God that justifies. Forensic term, courtroom. Who is he that condemneth? Oh, by the way, it's not just the devil condemning you and the devil condemning me. He lives for it. He's the accuser of the brethren. Our own conscience. Everybody say our own conscience. Conscience is a good thing. It tells you when you do wrong. It is used by the Holy Spirit to bring us to repentance in the first place. But he's not done using the conscience. But he uses it for us. It's called conviction. Have you ever done something and felt immediately convicted? What do you do about that? You go to God. Hallelujah. You plead the merits of the blood of Jesus. And you know that God is going to keep his promise if you confess your sin. Oh, by the way, while we're at it here today, if we say we have no sin, we lie. And do not the truth. We're disingenuous. We're not being authentic before the Lord. And God knows the heart. In fact, David said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, if I know it's there, you better believe God knows it's there. Hello? 
Don't think God just looking over it, looking the other way. No, he wants to deal with it. You know what he wants to do? You know what he told ancient Israel, and I love this. This is way back in the old covenant before the blood of Christ. Their covenant, the blood of bulls and goats. And by the way, the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of bulls and goats. So whatever covenant was operating back then, we got a better one established on better promises. Isaiah, it's up on the website. Thank you, Doug, for putting it up there. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though your sins are red like crimson, they shall be as white as the snow. That's under the old covenant. Everybody say, we got a better covenant. If David could be forgiven under that covenant, honey, don't carry the guilt any further. Don't carry the shame any further. Don't carry the pain any further. If you blew it, God knew it. Pastor Buster Ryan, can you say amen? If you blew it, God knew it. Come on, God knew it. He didn't draw back from you. He wants you to draw close to Him. He wants you to confess it before Him. He wants to cleanse you of that sin so the devil can't bring it up when you go to pray. Bring it up when you need a miracle. Bring it up and hold it against you and hold it in your face. That's why we are are called justified. Forensic. Courtroom. What happens when someone is acquitted? What happens from that point? They can't even be tried twice in our flawed legal system. God's system based on the blood of Jesus, His legal system, it isn't flawed. Who He justified is justified. And once He does it, He challenges. Who is He that condemneth? It's God that justifies. Honey, when the judge of the universe forgives me, if nobody else forgives me, I am forgiven, and I can receive from the hand of the Lord everything that He's purposed and everything that He has promised, because everybody say now. Oh, wow. Everybody say now. How many know what that means? Right now. Yeah, you said it right, right now benefit of you that hadn't heard it two men are filling out an application they both desperately need work one looks over at the other and says how do you spell rat he said r-a-t why he said because it says here when can you start work and i'm gonna put down right now living in the now of your salvation is crucial to your boldness in faith The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 is a man trying to obtain justification and righteousness under the law. And the Bible said the law is our schoolmaster. It is to teach us that we've got to have something other than sinless perfection to please God because we cannot obtain that. I told you what Vince Lombardi said to his team. He said perfection is un obtainable 
Now, we in Pentecost, when I got into this, there were people that talked about uh, holiness or hell, and they interpret holiness as sinless perfection. Well, no one's going to heaven by sinless perfection. Because you would have to say, when you achieved it, I have no sin. And the Bible said the day that you say that, you're lying. Hello? You've got to confess that sin to have it forgiven. You can't achieve a place of super sanctification. But I love what Vince Lombardi said. He said, perfection is unobtainable. Some people thought they had arrived. They were the first to fall. Why? Because of the pride and the self-confidence instead of confidence in the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. Listen to me carefully. Some tongue-talking people thought when they got the Holy Ghost, they could conquer every sin of the flesh. They were desperately mistaken. They did not follow through. They fell on their face. How are the mighty fallen? The Scripture said. How could someone under such an anointing with so many spiritual gifts end up wrapped up in a sinful condition? Because they were depending on their own ability to overcome instead of the grace, the mercy, the righteousness, the justification that only the blood of Jesus brings. Everybody say conscience. Remember when Jesus saw a woman caught in the act of adultery? She was committing sin. The law says... Stoner to death. So a bunch of people picked up the stones and they were ready to kill her in a very horrendous way. Jesus came on the scene, not condoning any sin, but condemning those that thought they were so sinless that they could take her life for her sin. And all he had to do, and all he would have to do this morning, amen, is... Let a big screen. They got a big screen right back there. Do you know if you had the audacity to say in this room that you've arrived at that place, that you're so holy you don't need forgiveness and you don't need repentance and you never need to confess a sin, amen, all he'd have to do is pull down that screen and play what he calls sin in your life. Just play it back to you and let you watch it. The very pride that causes you and I to say that we've arrived. Paul said, I haven't apprehended. I'm not there yet. I haven't grasped what Christ has grasped me to grasp, but forgetting everything that's behind it, pressing forward to the mark for the prize of the high calling, I press toward that mark. You see, perfection, sinless perfection is unobtainable. I like what Coach said. None of you are going to be perfect. Jordan wasn't perfect. He said, you miss every shot that you don't take. But he had the courage to take the shot, and he, he got a lot of three-pointers and sold a whole lot of tennis shoes. He made more money off his endorsements because he was so good at what he did than he made playing basketball itself. Amen? Multimillionaire. Because Nike picked him up, and Air Jordans come along, and... In fact, we got into Haiti. They wanted to charge us more duty on the clothes we were bringing in for orphans than it would cost to buy the clothes. 
And they were gift and given, and we brought them in by plane, and they wanted to charge so much tax on bringing it in. And you know what the pilot did? He was good at it. He was a good negotiator. Amen. He began to negotiate with the guy. He said, if you'll let us bring this in, they're going to an orphanage. They're going to clothe children that don't have any clothes or no mama, no daddy. The guy's heart wasn't touched at all. Ah, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. He said, what do you want me to bring you next trip from America? He said, Air Jordans. I want a pair of Air Jordans. He said, the next time I come, I'm going to have you a brand. What size do you wear? He put it down. And for a pair of Air Jordans, we were able to take in loads of clothes for those kids in Haiti. Can you say, man? Because they were negotiating. That, 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 listen, Vince Lombardi said, and, and I'm telling you, and Jesus has said it. Amen. The Word of God has declared it. There's none, there's none, there's none. All, all, everybody say all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is, oh, oh see, because there's always somebody when he says stuff like that and when the Word says something, you don't, you don't know my mama. Well, listen, your mama had to get saved. Mary had to get saved. I'm sorry. Can you say, man? She was a virgin in her physical body, but she was not sinless because there's no one that is sinless. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. And the hardest people to get their hearts to melt and get into repentance is the self-righteous and the religious sects of that day. S-E-C-T-S. Those religious people of that day were so highly religious. Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed that of the scribe and the Pharisee, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. You're going to have to humble down. You're going to have to get rid of religious pride. You're going to have to let the blood do its work in your behalf or you can't get saved. Your works won't save you. Your your idea of righteousness will not save you. In fact, salvation is a gift. You can live a life of appreciation for the gift, but you can't earn it. Because the day you do something to earn it, it's not a gift. I hear evangelists on TV, and I know they do it for tax purposes. I understand. For a gift of $25 we will send you free. Do you ever hear that? I'm not saying it's wrong to raise funds, but for a gift of $25, we're going to send you absolutely free. Postage paid, this, whatever. For a gift, the day you pay for it, it's not a gift. You bought it. You know what Pentecostals used to do, and I'm one, and I'm Pentecostal from head to foot, and I believe in holiness. I believe it's God's unalterable standard for His people, but it doesn't mean absolute sinless perfection where we never need to repent and confess our sin before the Lord. Because there's not just sins of commission, there's sins of omission. It's just not what we do that we shouldn't do, but what we should have done and didn't do. It's all sin. And we've all... 
We've all come short of the glory of God. Literally missed the mark. And yet Paul said, I'm aiming at the mark. I'm striving, straining forward for the, to hit the mark for the prize of the high calling. I've lived my whole life with all my credentials, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. But he said, I'm pressing. I haven't plateaued. I haven't stopped pressing forward. Hallelujah. I'm still progressing, going on. Hardest crowd for an evangelist to preach to, to get in an altar, to get right with God is people that think they're so right with God they don't need to repent. That's a hard audience. They never come. They never bow. They never weep. Their heart is never softened or broken. They're like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes of Jesus' day. He said, you're evangelistic. You, 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 you put yourself above everybody. You can pass land and sea to make one proselyte, one convert to your belief system. And when you do, Jesus didn't mince words. You make him twice the child of hell as you are. You're lost. You're hell-bound because you haven't repented. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Jesus said two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a publican, not a republican. Come on, give us a break. It's been hard enough. One was a publican. What was he, a tax collector? He was not only a tax collector, he was a Jew taxing his own people in Caesar's behalf. Zacchaeus was one of those guys. And after his encounter with Jesus, after Jesus sought him out, went to his house, he said, I'm going to restore how, how many fold, fourfold? If I took $1,000 more than it was worth, I have invested that money for myself. I'm going to give you the dividends. I'm not a boy. You talk about repentance. Can, I'm going to give you fourfold what I defrauded you. I'm going to give you four thousand back for the fourth for the thousand that I took. I t that's a change. Praise God. Hallelujah. But he was hated, and it earned Jesus a title when he went to encounter him, so he could repent and be changed. You know what they said about Jesus? He eats with publicans, and he eats with sinners. He can't be holy. He can't be righteous because those guys wearing those robes and broadening their phylacteries. You know what their phylacteries were? It was places in their garments where they could roll up Scripture and they could stick it in those pockets all over their garments. They made more places for more Scripture, but they never got right with God. Isn't this incredible? They never got right with God. Jesus called them self-righteous guys. He called them whited sepulchers. That means a tomb that has been whitewashed. The outside has been painted, but inside, just behind that stone, is full of decaying flesh and dead men's bones. The most prominent, the most seemingly holy people were the people that wanted him dead because he 
pointed out their hypocrisy. He pointed out their sin. Amen? They hated him. Pilate didn't hate him. He said, I don't find any fault in him. But that crowd of Pharisees and Sadducees cried, Crucify! Give us Barabbas, but kill him! Because he exposed them. And when they were ready to stone this woman to death, see, he came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't even come, though the world, he didn't come to condemn the world. The world was condemned, and that's why he came. Sin had condemned it to judgment, righteous wrath and judgment. And Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn it. It's the condemnation it was in that caused me to come. When I got saved, I was around holiness people. I couldn't even believe God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because if I didn't receive it immediately, it was told to me either directly or indirectly, the Holy Ghost won't dwell in an unclean vessel. So my vessel must be unclean. So I got rid of my Beatles records. I got rid of all my Beatles records. Got, and it wasn't a bad thing. I mean, you know, I got rid of Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, The Doors. I got rid of all of that psychedelic Vietnam era music. One time I came back from Haiti and I was going through nervous exhaustion and I brought back a hand-carved, beautifully hand-carved to put on the wall of fruit that had done to an art, art, artisan, a craftsman in Haiti. But I was going through this and I, you know, that thing sticks to you. This complex sticks to you. You get, it sticks like glue. And I thought, well, I'm not getting a prayer through this. I'm not getting an immediate answer. Maybe that somehow that guy that made that and profited from it was also into voodoo on the side. So I went out there and got that off the wall, threw it away. I was looking for anything I could do to be in a position to receive from God, to get rid of condemnation. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. But if our heart condemns us not, we have something the devil don't want you to have and God wants to grant to you. We have confidence in God. Woo! I know you're looking kind of sad in bed. Amen. I'm sorry to tell you you're not perfect. I'm sorry to tell you that there's probably a sin you need to confess, but I'm also telling you, go ahead and fess up. Get rid of it. You know what David said? He said, when I held my peace, Psalm 32, my bones waxed oh, guilt, shame, self-loathing, self-condemnation. What David did is worthy of death. In fact, David was going to kill a man for stealing somebody's sheep. Little ewe lamb. Did he realize he'd stole a man's wife and had a man murdered? Murdered! Murdered! 
Come on, don't just put David up there. Don't put Samson up there. Don't put that preacher up there. Don't put yourself up there. Don't put him up there. Without the grace and mercy of God, based on sacrifices in that temple, David could have not been forgiven, but he was forgiven. How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse our conscience to serve the living and true God and to serve Him with confident hearts, coming boldly, courageously, confidently before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Mercy is not for perfect people. Grace is not for meritorial people. Amen. It's for people like you and people like me. Israel sinned so bad it looked like they would never be forgiven and restored. They were on their way. Amen. Sin has consequences. Don't get me wrong. God's not soft on sin and sin is not soft on us. Hallelujah. And Jeremiah sees he's preached and prophesied and brought God's message, and no one listened. And no one wanted to hear it, and now the consequences are coming. Now they can't win their battles. Now they're going to be bond slaves in Babylon. And they're on their way to Babylon. Lamentations 3, he said, when I consider what's happened, what's occurring, their rebellion and God's judgments in the land, corrective judgment, he did not want to destroy them. He only wanted to get them to the place that He could forgive them and restore them. You didn't hear me. He wanted to bring them to the place He could forgive them and restore them. Remember, remember when they, they, they just he got them out there in the wilderness and they longed for the flesh pots of Egypt and accused God of being unfaithful? And He said, I'll just destroy them. Forget about it. I'll just. And He didn't want to do that. You know what he was looking? He said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. Make no mistake about it. Sin separates you from God. It creates a great chasm. The Bible said, my ear is not heavy that it can't hear. And my hand is not short that it cannot save. But your sins have separated between you and your God. And you know what he wanted? He wanted to be able because someone stood in the gap. Everybody say stood in the gap and made up the hedge. You know what Moses said, what God wanted to hear? Amen. But God and man work in tandem. Listen, he looked for a man. He looked for a man. He looked for a man. I stood in the gap for my son when he had nothing in his life to merit God's help and God's grace and God's mercy. But he had a praying daddy that I bound him to my heart. I said, Lord, I don't want to see him lost. I remember when the devil, amen, told me I'm going to kill him tonight. Take his soul to hell and all of your prayers aren't going to help. And you know what I did? I fell on my knees. I said, I fell on my knees. Dale said it one time, going through trials and tests, she said, what used to put us on our back now puts us on our face. Can you say, man, whatever in your life causes you to seek the Lord, God says, listen, the devil means it for evil, but I'm going to use that for good. And when you seek me with all of your heart, you're going to find me. Can you say, man? 
My son called me from, or they called me from, he didn't call me, South Florida Baptist Hospital called me. The wee hours. My son bleeding. Bleeding from the mouth, throwing up blood. They were going to run something down his throat to see where it was coming from. He was drinking heavy, had headaches, taking handfuls of aspirin. You mix the alcohol and the aspirin, you got a blood thinner that's way beyond anything a prescription would allow you. They went in, and they called me back and said, he's gone. Didn't check himself out, he walked out. Got in the car and drove into the night. He had no cell phone, he had no beeper, no communication. He was ashamed for me to know he was in that condition. He drove out into the night. And they said, you know, we don't know where that blood's coming from. We don't know if he's hemorrhaging inside what's going on. And I'm standing there, and the devil, believe me, believe me, believe me, he will talk to you in those crisis times. You will hear him too. That's how I know you can hear the Holy Ghost. That's how I know you can hear God speak, because we all can hear the devil. That means our spirit can hear spiritual voices and suggestions and influences can you say man there's a good side to that because if you can hear the devil you can hear god your spirit can pick up on this thing and god talks through his word and god talks through his servants and god talks by his holy spirit and the devil said to me tonight all of your prayers are in vain defiant defiant devil he knew my emotions were racked. He knew my faith was shaken. He knew I loved my son. He said, I'm going to kill your son, and I'm going to take his soul to hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I remember handing my wife the phone and falling to my knees. I didn't initially fall to my knees to pray. I fell to my knees because I was too weak to stand up. I was overwhelmed. You know what David said about times like that? When my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to that rock that's higher than I. Hallelujah. He wasn't talking about somebody. You don't always have somebody. It would be great if you had somebody. But he was talking to God. He said, God, I want you to help me to believe you even when I'm overwhelmed in my emotions, overwhelmed by the circumstance. Whelm is like a wave that comes all the way over top of you. And you can't stop it. You've got to deal with it because it's there. When my heart is overwhelmed within me, Lord, he's looking up to God in this psalm. He says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you have been a refuge for me and you have been a shelter from the storm and I need that from you right here in this moment praise God I fell on my knees out of weakness but when I hit my knees I just the only thing I could do was plead the blood of Jesus I don't know if you know how to plead the blood of Jesus I couldn't stand on that mountaintop and take authority over the devil because I was so heartbroken and my, my nerves and everything else, it just it was killing me. 
my son going to die out there by himself tonight and be lost forever? And when the peace began to come, that God is in control, that God is a prayer answering God. And you don't have to be standing on the mountain taking authority. You can be in the deep, dark valley, and he will hear. I like that old song. Amen. <laughs> Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. He will hear. He will hear. He will hear. Oh, the devil don't want you to get this either. He will hear your faintest cry. If it, see, because prayer doesn't begin when you stand on the mountaintop and speak with such authority. Prayer begins in the heart, not the mouth. Can you say amen? And God hears, hears from the heart before we mouth it. He knows we're going to pray, but He hears your heart cry before you pray. I think you got an interpretation one morning. Somebody here did. And God said, I hear the cry of your heart. When you don't even know how to pray or what to pray, God hears the cry of your heart. And He heard my heart cry. I cried unto the Lord. And he heard me, David said. I cried unto the Lord, not whined, but I cried out to God. And he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. And when that fear left, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but I knew one thing for sure, the devil isn't going to win this thing because God is in control. No matter how it looks, no matter how it seems, God is in control. And I'm so glad that my son, how many were at my son's memorial service? Anybody? Amen. Did you hear me just say that he came full circle? He came full, through many dangers, toils, and snares. Isn't grace amazing? Isn't prayer powerful? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I cried unto the Lord. He heard me. I cried unto the Lord. He heard me. He heard me. He heard me. And the, oh, if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we've desired of Him. And that's why the devil doesn't want you to believe when you pray that God is hearing it and God is going to answer it. It took years. I got impatient like anyone else, frustrated with Him. I got tired of standing in the gap. But it was worth it. It was worth it for him and his family to know. For my grandson to say, I would walk by the bedroom and hear my daddy in there praying. Talking to God. Hallelujah. And the peace he had, Brother Hobbs, amen, as his body was beginning to fail at 53 years of age, mostly because of a lifetime. They told me at 21 that he probably wouldn't live to 30 because of the condition of his liver. He became, got part of a, a rock band and began drank, drinking in his teens. And when he was 21 or 22, I took him to the doctor because of stomach, stomach problems. The alcohol was hurting him even then. And, and the doctor told him in my presence if you were 55 or 60 years old and drank a lifetime, your liver would be hurt this bad. And it's hurt that bad already. You can't keep doing this. He kept on doing that. 
Thank God for intercession. Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. If you're not into grace and mercy, I'm not into you. Can you say amen because you're trying to earn what only God can grant, only God can give, and only the blood can purchase? Can you say amen? And you can't. And I'm glad I can't because my son didn't have to. He didn't have to make up for that life. He had to submit that life and surrender it to the forgiveness of God, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He quit talking about Jesus as Lord. He called him king, which is the absolute definition of Adonai, of Lord. Praise God. When you've got a king, it means your master, the one that you serve, the only one that you bow to. He said, I know my king has forgiven me. I know my king loves me. Thank God he changed masters before he left this world. The devastation had come to his body over all of those years, but God restored his soul. Took away the fear of death. Wow. Dad, if I beat you to heaven, don't worry about me. If I could just go to sleep, I'm ready to go. I'm right with God. I'm free. And I want to be free from this failed body. Don't worry about me. October the 1st, Sunday, after the morning service, he told his family, I'm going to lay down and take a nap. He laid down and went to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, we lost a son here, but our son is not lost to us, and he's not lost. Absent from the body for those who have come to forgiveness of their sin and come to know Christ as their King, their Lord, their Savior. No man can call me Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All of my talking and all of my teaching didn't have an effect, but all of that word went in there, and somewhere along the way the Holy Ghost watered it. Can you say, man, one plants, another waters, and God gives the increase. Hallelujah. Will the circle be unbroken by and by? No, it will not. Grandpa Venable is with the Lord. Robert Venable was almost with the Lord. Amen. My son beat me to heaven. But when I get to heaven, he's going to be there. My son's going to be there. My premature daughter is going to be there. Your mama is already there waiting for you on the other side. Thank God for what we're celebrating today. The blood of Jesus that overcomes the accuser of the brethren. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Oh, I don't know if there's a Pharisee in here or a Sadducee in here. But I know there are people that the devil hates. I know there are people that he wants to destroy. You say, Brother Remember, why couldn't you just pray him out of all that? Because he had a sovereign will and made choices. And he told me, he said, Dad, I, it wasn't you, it wasn't Mom, it wasn't pastoring that took you away many times he said it was me i did this to myself i would talk to him about divine healing i believe if he didn't have such a guilty conscience about his life he could have been physically healed but he was not seeking physical healing he was seeking to be with the lord he was tired he was wore down he was wore out and he said, I want to go home. And he quit talking about heaven. We talked about heaven until it got close. I didn't know it was close. I had no idea 
I prayed every day of my life, every single day of my life. I bound him to my heart. I said, Lord, save his soul and restore him to health. But he prayed, Lord, I want to come home. While I'm right with you, while I'm free from bondage, while I have absolutely not only no fear of coming to be with you, but a desire and a longing to come and be with you. Dad, I'm right with God. Dad, if I get to heaven before you, if I go home, he said, before you, don't worry about me. Dad, if I could go to sleep like Granddad. Granddad Venable prayed the same prayer. He ended up with pneumonia, ended up in a nursing home. I took him far as I could take him. Then I had a stroke and couldn't do what he needed done. He was very short time in the nursing home. He said, Bobby, everybody, everybody is on the other side except you and a couple more. He said, I want to go home. He said, will you pray that I could just go to sleep and go home? I said, Dad, that's a God's hands. I didn't want to just pray he'd go home just in the sense of death, but it was his heart. <laughs> and, and Alan came that same day and that all of this occurred. They called me from the nursing home, and the nurse said, your daddy doesn't look right this morning. He's, he, he just looks weak and he just doesn't look right. I'm going to send him to the hospital to get checked out. I said, you tell Dad I'll be there and I'll meet him there. I got dressed. They put him in an ambulance to take him to the hospital. No emergency to get checked out. When I got to the hospital, and you know what he did? He knew I'm going to the hospital to get checked out. My son is on the way. We've been through these kind of things before. And he relaxed in the back of the ambulance. And he went into a deep sleep before he got to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, they were looking at me all grim. Everybody was grim. And I knew. I, they didn't have to say a word. They said, can you come with us? And I said, sure. And they took me to a side room where there was two nurses, and they sat down with me. And they said, we're sorry to have to tell you that your daddy has passed away. And I immediately asked them how, because he was praying if I could just go to sleep and go home. And I said, can you tell me how it happened? What happened? They said, well, he arrived in the ambulance, and he was in a deep sleep, not a coma, a deep sleep. They said we tried to wake him up, and he wouldn't wake up. We checked his vital signs, and heart rate was going down, blood pressure was dropping. And while in a deep sleep, his spirit left his body. He went home just like he asked the Lord. Wow, when you're 93 and the old body has failed, that's not a bad way to go home. Amen. I said that's just what he was praying for. Amen. I said that's I went and looked at him and wept because that's my daddy. But still, listen, death is the last enemy. It's still an enemy. God says it's an enemy. It's going to hurt. It's never supposed to happen. Sin. One man's sin brought death upon all men. 
But thank God, one man's righteousness, one man's sinless life offered sinless blood that was accepted by God on the cross, hallelujah, to deliver us all from the death that is eternal. Physical death is going to come, (laughs) but I'm not going to die. Physical death is going to come to you, but you're never going to die. To be absent from the body for the Christian is to be where? Where? Present? Don't, ever, don't let nobody sell you on soul sleep that you're in suspended animation until no, 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 no. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. To be absent. That's why Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So my son, seeing what happened to my dad, he said, Dad, he said, I I pray I can just go to sleep and go home. And he went to sleep and went home. I went to pray for another man. And listen, when you're praying for physical healing, the enemy will try to disqualify you. And there's so many people that have come up through the ranks I went to pray for a dear friend of my dad's and mine was dying of stomach cancer. I believe God can heal stomach cancer. I believe there is healing at the cross. I believe the blood of Jesus was shed not only for salvation, but anyway, I went to encourage him to believe God. He was 54 years old, built like a bodybuilder. But he had a past. He had a checkered past and what made it worse he was playing music in church singing the songs of zion while sinning and not repenting and all of that was mounting up in his conscience and the devil was keeping a record to open up and charge him with and when i went to pray i said are you ready to be healed I had fasted and prayed for him, and I walked in the hospital, amen, ready to pray the prayer of what? The prayer of faith. Because what does it do? What's it supposed to do? Save the sick so the Lord can do what? Raise them up. First thing out of his mouth, I have done a lot of wrong things. Somehow or another, he missed the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, he didn't get the message. But I'm going to tell you, he came up like we did. Now listen, it's easy to sit and pick at other people and see glaringly their sin. But be careful that you don't disqualify yourself from the grace that you desperately need. They don't deserve an answer. Hey, friend, you don't either. They don't deserve the devil will have you not even stand in the gap for them because they don't deserve it. They deserve the punishment. They deserve the shipwreck. He'll get you to quit praying for people that are rebellious and hard-hearted and hard-headed because they don't deserve it. Hey, friend, you don't deserve it. If you don't come by the blood of Jesus, you have no merit 
no matter how holy and righteous you think you are. Without the blood of Jesus, you don't have a standing with God. There are people in here with a guilty conscience and the devil, if you don't accept what Christ has done for you and shake that off. Remember when Paul was shipwrecked? He made it to the shore. They built a great big old fire to warm themselves. The natives of that island were all around them saying they, 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 these, must, these were prisoners in a prison barge on the way to be put in prison. They were looking at them suspiciously. They believed in a God of retribution. So a snake was in the kindling they brought to build the fire, and when they lit the fire, the snake came out. And guess who the snake, the venomous snake, bit and sank his talons into? or his teeth into, the Apostle Paul. And you know what they said when they saw him snake bit, shipwrecked and snake bit? Everybody say shipwrecked and snake bit. You know what they said? They said he must be an awful, awful sinner. But it's caught up with him. The God of judgment and retribution has caught up with him. He was the only righteous one of the bunch. Right with God through the blood of Jesus. And the snake bit him. Everybody say, go figure. And you know what Paul did? What? It sounds like an oversimplification, but if you don't do it, you will never stand in bold faith. You will not believe for your healing. You will disqualify yourself from that that you need so desperately and God so desperately wants you to receive. Is anybody getting this today, how important the cleansing of our conscience is? Amen. If there's a sin, confess it. Confess it. God stands ready. Come let us reason together, he says to ancient Israel. You don't deserve nothing, but I want to give you something. You don't deserve anything but judgment, but I'm offering you grace and mercy. Come, let's talk about it. Let's sit down and have a conversation about it. Though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be white as wool, red like crimson. They shall be white as snow. And listen to the next verse. Would anyone like to hear the next verse? We'll try to close quickly. If you refuse, what? Refuse to repent so He can forgive you. Refuse the grace that's offered. If you refuse and rebel, you shall be destroyed by the sword. Your enemies will prevail over you. But if you repent and confess, what I promised is going to happen to you. I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to restore you. Can you say amen? There was a man, as we close, he was in a prison in the south. I don't know if it was Angola. Some prison in the south And he was convicted for murder. And evidently, he did it. He did it. And his conscience was bothering him. He said, I'm getting justice scheduled to hang. The governor looked at his case as the lawyers presented it and said, there's not enough empirical 
evidence to truly convict him. And I can't in good conscience let a man go to the gallows. This is true. It happened in the early 20s or late 20s. I can't let a man that isn't absolutely guilty by law be killed and his life taken. There has to be empirical evidence, something that is substantiated and clear before law couldn't prove it. So the governor of the state, true story, forget the man's name, but the governor of the state sent someone to the prison the night before the execution at dawn and brought a pardon to him. The governor of the state pardoned him. And the courier handed it to the man to give to the warden. And the man goes to hell on this planet. It's not his will. Say it with me. Maybe it's your will, but it's not his will. Can you say, man? It's not his will. It's not his will. I want you to say it louder. It's not his will. It's not his will. Mark it down in your mind and let it be engraved on your heart. It's not his will. Can you say, man, I could go on death row right now and invite a person who does not deserve anything but what they're about to get. Amen. But I could invite them to come to Christ and I could tell them unequivocally, it's not his will that you go to hell. It may be the will of the people you've harmed and hurt, but it's not his will. There is one that has the capacity to love greater than we can love, forgive greater than we can forgive, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can you say, man? And his death on the cross screams, I love you. And if you will confess your sin, he is faithful. Oh, and here's a forensic term for the courtroom, and he's just. He's not sweeping it under the rug. He's saying someone has taken your place. Someone has paid your penalty. Someone has paid your sin debt in full. So you could go free if you repent and confess. When a, what a tragedy that a man that could have been forgiven by God died unforgiven with a pardon offered not only by the governor of the state, but a pardon offered by Jesus Christ. What a tragedy. And what a tragedy for anyone sitting in this room that hasn't yet had their conscience cleansed from the guilt. The very sweet-hearted man that came to God, repented of his sin, lay in there needing desperately a miracle of healing was in no position to receive it because he says you don't know what all I've done in the past I said listen that's the past that's not here that's not now the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all iniquity but it was too ingrained and he died a picture of health looking on the outside. In fact, he only ate health food. He got into health food. And he died of stomach cancer in his early 50s. 
and he was in no position to receive an answer to prayer because he didn't believe he was worthy of being healed because he came up in church just like we did. Just like we did. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 is trying to keep the law and he can't because no one could. He's given up on himself. He's weary. He said, I find a law in my members when I would do good. Guess what? Evil presents itself. He said, to know to do good, I got that. How to do it, I find not. He's under condemnation, self-loathing. He's wore out. He calls himself a wretched man. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Thank God for amazing grace that saves wretched men and women. You ever sing that lyric? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Thank, I was blind, but now I see. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin if they just stopped with next to the last verse of Romans 7? There would be no hope for any of us. But he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. I thank God through, through Jesus Christ. I thank God through Jesus Christ I've got the hope. Hallelujah. I've got the victory. Now, your Bible was written chapter and verse for translation purposes. So it did not stop at the end when he said that. It continued with the next verse, the first verse of Romans 8. Now, therefore, everybody say, Thank you. You got it right. You said rat. Amen. Now, therefore, how many are Christian in this room? Now, therefore, there is no... Oh, come on. I know you don't like this. I know you don't like it. There's some people in here don't like it. You better start loving it, embracing it. If you walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, now your past is gone. Your past is gone. It's gone and it'll never be brought up because He's cast your sins as far away from you as the East is from the West and their sins will I remember no more. And if you've really been born again, the flesh is not the predominant nor the dominant force in your life. The Holy Spirit is. And that still don't mean sinless perfection. It means perfectly saved in spite of your weak flesh. I know you don't like it. But you, if you get in, listen, if you're going to go law, you've got to go all law you're going to go law you better never mess up because there's no grace there's no mercy to obtain you need the blood i need the blood hallelujah i'm not i'm not giving nobody a license to sin i'm giving you a way out of sin people that are deep into grace are not bound by sin because when they stumble they don't stay down they get up, they confess, and they go on. And they get set free in the process. Because not only does He forgive, He cleanses us from the iniquity that brought the sin in the first place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
my heart broke when I couldn't convince a man that had been in church, sung the songs of Zion, and not understood the efficacy, the effectiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because our brand of holiness in the early days was the way we wore our hair, the lack of jewelry, the lack of makeup, the sleeve down to the wrist was our holiness. The hair, when we got saved, you had to have your hair piled up this high, and if you cut any of it, you were Jezebel. If you put on a little bit of rouge or lipstick, I know you can overdo these things, but we were cleaning up the outward man, cleaning up the outside. We were not just trying to be holy. We were trying to be holier than thou. And you know what that is? That's self-righteousness. And it's born out of religious pride. And God does what? He resists the proud. And giveth who? Giveth what? Grace. Unmerited favor to the humble. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a publican and one a Pharisee. The publican knew he was a sinner, needed grace and forgiveness. He cried out, confessing his sin. And he, he would not so much as lift his head to heaven. He smote himself on the breast and he cried out, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. And the Pharisee, looked at the man praying that beautiful, repentant prayer and said, Lord, I am so glad. Can you see the swagger? Can you see the attitude? I am so glad I'm not like other men. And I'm especially glad I'm not like that guy. He must be a rotten to the core, crabby Appleton. He's rotten to the core. Can you say amen? Sinner. And they both went down from the temple. The one repented of his sin and got justified because he was forgiven. Forensic term again, courtroom stuff. But the religious man that was so self-righteous he didn't see a need for repentance and looked down on everybody else, he didn't get justified. He didn't get forgiven. And he wasn't ready to stand before God because he couldn't obtain sinless perfection according to the law. So Jesus said, who went down justified? The guy who confessed and repented. I'm into repentance. Not because sin is reigning in me, but because Christ is reigning in me. And when I compare myself to a lot of Christians, I'm doing pretty doggone good. But when I compare myself to Jesus, I got a ways to go. <laughs> Can you say amen? So I'm into repentance. And I'm living in victory. I said I'm living in victory. I said I'm living in victory. 44 years as a pastor. Never been in. It isn't that I didn't get caught in the no-tell motel. I have never checked into the no-tell motel. Can you say, man, are you bragging? No, that would get me knocked down. 
I'm not saying, behold, I stand. I'm saying, behold, I know I do not stand. That I, I am not that good at anything. But God is faithful. And God is gracious. And God is merciful. Hallelujah. And God has been faithful to us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So, when the church comes to the place that she starts understanding who she is in Jesus... Amen. A glorious bride is going to stand up. Paul said, Now therefore there's no condemnation to them, Romans 8 and verse 1, that are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Hallelujah. For the law, the law, the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. I am set free. Praise God to serve the living and true God. Perfection is unobtainable. But if you pursue perfection, you can catch excellence. Can you say amen? I said if you pursue, I press toward the mark. I'm pursuing perfection. I'll never get it, but I'm going to pursue it all my whole life. But I am, I, didn't Paul catch ex excellent? Didn't he catch, wasn't he an excellent example of the Christian faith? Amen. Hallelujah. And you know what he said about that excellence? This spirit-filled man with revelations and experiences beyond anything we could imagine. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. If it wasn't for God's grace, I could never be what I have become for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In this communion, can we have a little bit of time of confessing? And conscience cleansing. Your conscience sprinkled from evil. Hallelujah. God's word and the blood of Jesus has got to begin to speak louder than all of that junk that we brought into his kingdom. And the devil has tried his best to bring it to the forefront. And we need to push back by pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. Now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accuse them before God. How often, day and night, he never lets up. And they overcame him. Not by being sinlessly perfect, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. That's when you start saying about yourself what God has said about you instead of saying what you think and what you feel and what the devil is lying to you about. Can you say, man, I am free from fear for I am a child of God. Can you say, man, hallelujah. I said I am free from fear for I am a child of God. Glory to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I'm just going to repent right now of any attitude or activity that has displeased you. Lord, I pray for the blood of Jesus to be applied to my life, that the enemy of my soul cannot point a finger at me and disqualify me and condemn me from believing you. For everything that you have purposed and promised in my life, that we not be defrauded from all that is ours in Jesus Christ that we might have be emboldened by the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, to have a strong and courageous faith that we might come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy to help us in the time 
of any need. Hallelujah. 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 I felt it come back a while ago. It's kind of like a ping pong ball. You serve it, and somebody knocks it back at you. I'm going to tell you something. You may be sitting real pretty right now without a pain in your body, but day is going to come. A day is going to come when you're going to need mercy. A day is going to come when you're going to need grace. And the only thing you can obtain before an answer is mercy and grace to open the door for the answer. And you can't get it if you don't give it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But judge not. That doesn't mean don't judge right from wrong. It means don't judge people. That's God's department. You stay on the witness stand and stay out of the judge's chambers. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Judge not that you be not judged. For the same exact law of sowing and reaping, you sow in kind, you reap in kind, only you reap it multiplied. The same judgment you meet without will be meted to you again. God's going to deal with you like you deal with everybody else. I don't know what that says to you, but it says to me, I'm going to show mercy. And that's why, that's why David, when a guy was throwing dust at him and throwing rocks at him, and his captain of war said, I'll go over there and cut his tongue out. I'll go over there and cut his head off. You know what David said? Because David had obtained mercy. You know what David said? David said, leave him alone. He said, just let him curse and throw rocks and do anything he wants to. He said, it may be that God will requite me good for his cursing. God will bless me in spite of his cursing. But if I seek vengeance on him, I'm going to bring it down on me. I didn't deserve mercy, and I got it anyway. And he don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to him just like I got it freely. You have received, freely give. How many feel pretty merciful right now? How many want to move into that area of the boldness that comes when there's no condemnation? Then let's receive communion with that in mind today. Amen? So when you pray, nothing will be between you and God. Hallelujah. And an answer can come. Will you serve us holy communion, please? And we will finish this service. Hallelujah. How many know this is an important message? My pastor was not big on grace, but he failed. He failed. I know major evangelists that were not big on grace, but they failed. Anointed, tongue-talking, devil chasing worldwide evangelists but they were not big on grace and they failed but I know a preacher who was big on grace didn't fail and it's not me but I'm big on grace because I don't want to fail either and by the grace of God I am what I am hallelujah how many going to heaven on grace by grace you're saved through faith it's the gift of God it's not of works. When you get to the gate, you can't say, I, I belong here, Lord, look what I did for you. No, you're going to say, I belong here, Lord, look what you did for me. Can you say amen? Somebody give him praise in this place. He's a worthy God today.